My name's Travis, one of the pastors here, and hopefully, prayerfully, you had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving time. Uh, you were able to enjoy the, the holiday, and I don't know what that meant for you. Maybe you are able to have a day of rest where you got the day off of, of work. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe you were able to enjoy the holiday because you love to cook meals, right? Some people just love to cook. Any opportunity they have to cook, they love to cook. I'm not one of those. I love to eat. Um, but maybe you love to cook and that's why the holiday was enjoyable for you. Maybe you got to play in a turkey bowl, right? There were some people that played in a, an old man football game. Sorry, I mean a turkey bowl football game. We just realized we have gotten older over the years as we are still sore today and we played on Thursday. Um, maybe for you, uh, you enjoyed the holiday because you got to watch a, a college football game and your team is Michigan and they beat Ohio State. I'm not speaking for myself. I'm just speaking for maybe someone else in the auditorium today. Uh, if your team is Ohio State, I'm, I'm sorry and we will pray for you as we go into the playoffs. But uh, maybe, I'm just kidding, sorry. Maybe you're able to enjoy the holiday because you were able to do a little bit of shopping and you enjoy that. You enjoy buying gifts for loved ones. Maybe you were able to enjoy the holiday because you got to spend time with friends and, and family. Or maybe you were able to enjoy the holiday because you didn't have to spend time with family. Right? I don't know what it is for you, okay, trying to be a full-service church this morning, but uh, hopefully you're able to enjoy the Thanksgiving uh, holiday and, and really being reminded that there is so much we have to be thankful for. And uh, that, that's absolutely the truth, and hopefully you feel that. Hopefully Thanksgiving is that reminder of that. So many things we have to be thankful for. One of the things in which I'm wildly thankful for is, is Redeemer, is this church, is the opportunity that we have to, to gather together uh, each and every week, each and every Sunday to encourage one another, to uh, uplift and edify one another. And so hopefully as you come through these doors, uh, not just because it's warmer in here than it is out there, but hopefully you are encouraged and thankful uh, for the bride of Christ that is Redeemer Church this morning. And so... Um, I'm also thankful for the, the marriage series covenant that we've, been, that we've been going through, that we've been walking through. It has not been uh, easy. It has been challenging, but it has also been rewarding. And, uh, you know, thinking, uh, thinking about week one, a, a covenant before our creator, talking about the fact that God is the author and creator of marriage and that our marriage is meant to be a covenant before God, before our creator. I enjoyed how, how John walked us through the, the difference of covenant marriage and a contract marriage, right? A, a contract is temporary and a covenant is permanent. A, a contract is conditional and a covenant is unconditional. A contract is self-serving and a covenant is self-sacrificing. And, and week two, it was parenting that honors the Lord, right? And I don't, I don't know if you've maybe been a part of all of these messages or maybe you just started coming to Redeemer in the middle of this, this marriage series. And so just kind of recapping, but week two, we weren't necessarily ready to jump into parenting, but we had a family service. And so that's where we found ourselves. And, and we were reminded that maybe we weren't quite ready to jump into parenting when we became parents, but we said, okay, here we are, let's go with it. Um, but we, we stepped into parenting within our marriage series because we believe that our marriage is one of the best gifts that we can give to our children. And so my prayer is that by going through this series covenant, your marriage would be in a much better place and therefore a much better gift to your children. But what we covered that day, the big takeaway was that we as parents are meant to uh, present the Lord to our children 
and present our children to the Lord. And so hopefully we're continuing to do both. Week three was all about conflict. This was the week that we were tempted to throw some elbows within our rows here in the auditorium. But from what I heard, those were kept to a, a minimum. And so that is good. But to be honest, many of us were not shown what healthy conflict is meant to look like in our marriages. And so I was grateful that John walked us through this as well, right? And for me, this, this huge truth that conflict in and of itself is not a sin, but who I am in the midst of conflict could be sinning, right? That was a very sobering thought. And it was something that has encouraged me to step toward humility more and more in my marriage. And then last week, week four, uh, was where John covered intimacy, covered uh, true intimacy, spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, and yes, also physical intimacy, right? But, but stepping toward all three of these, knowing that all three aspects to intimacy are vitally important to our marriages. It was this idea of being fully known by and fully knowing our spouse, right? And this is, this is wonderful, and I pray we continue to come back to these messages. And that's the, the beauty of the programs that you're given, uh, the beauty of the, the notes that you take. Many of you, I, I see you taking notes in, in journals and whatnot, or, or the beauty of these messages being posted online, right? So that we can come back to these messages at any point, right? We, we can do that, and we should come back to these messages multiple times. We, we need to be reminded that we've entered into a covenant before the Lord. This is significant. We need to step toward parenting that honors the Lord. We, we have to practice healthy biblical conflict. And, and we need to, to practice the full understanding of intimacy, right? These are important. And so hopefully you are thankful for this as well. Um, one, of the, one of the other things, just thinking through the, the season, just want to throw this out there. Um, I'm thankful that it's now acceptable that Christmas is out of the box, right? That wherever you keep Christmas, if it's in the garage or it's in the attic or it's in a shed, it's now acceptable to come out, okay? Some people wonder what the answer is. When can Christmas come out? Can it come out before Thanksgiving? And the answer is no, okay? And I understand that some of you might disagree with that, but then again, you would be wrong, okay? The correct answer is it, it comes out after Thanksgiving. And so in our house, Christmas is out. I do think sometimes we put Christmas out just so that in a month from now, we can take it all down and take a deep breath. Like, whoa, look at all this space. We clutter it up just to then feel good when we remove the clutter. I don't know why we do that, but I'm thankful for that as well. All right, this reminder as time goes on uh, with Christmas. But thinking about that idea of, of time going on, sometimes in our marriages, it's not the, the conflict that has caused issues. It's not our, our families or our parenting that has become difficult. And it might not necessarily be intimacy that is lacking in a specific moment. What about the times that we have just gotten used to our spouse? Or the times that things are not as new and fresh as they used to be? Or the fact that we have just grown apart over the years or the decades? This is a huge issue. So many people say this about their marriage, that we have grown apart. And some people, they don't say it. So many people show it in their marriage. You can just tell by interacting with them, speaking to them, seeing them, that they have grown apart. Some people talk about it and some people don't. And there might even be some of us in the room today asking the question, is there anything to do if and when we find ourselves in these moments? 
And if you're asking that question, I'm grateful because that's what we're going to cover today. Right now, as we do, we're going to look at a letter that Christ writes to his bride, the church, specifically the church in Ephesus and specifically a letter in the book of Revelation. Now, this passage, like I said, is, is to a group of believers, but it's wildly applicable to us in our marriages today. And it's really not that far-fetched as you might think, because like I said, it's Christ writing to his bride. The relationship between Christ and the church all throughout scripture is constantly that of a groom and his bride, right? Christ and the church, groom and his bride. And so you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. But before we get to this passage, I want to share an illustration with you. Are there any uh, teenagers in the room this morning? Yes. Would you be so bold as to raise your hand? Yes. 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 Would you be so bold? Oh, there it is. Yep. Okay. Uh, when I was a teenager a long, long time ago, yes, we all know. Okay. I get it. When I was a teenager a long time ago, I began driving. And uh, I remember when I began, there was this thrill of driving, right? It was exciting. It was new. It was awesome. It was something that I loved and something that I felt passionate about. And I remember hating the idea that people who could drive would allow someone else to drive them around. And I thought to myself, why in the world, if you can drive, why would you not want to be behind the wheel? You can drive, so drive, right? I remember thinking there is no way I will ever let someone drive me around. Not going to happen. No chance. Uh-uh. Well, fast forward a couple decades, uh, and my thoughts are a little bit different. My thoughts are potentially completely different. I wouldn't mind one bit being driven around. And I wouldn't mind being driven around every single day. And here's my thought. As I sat in the back seat, I would be wildly productive I could get so much done in the backseat, or I could take a few naps. I would probably take a lot of naps if someone else drove me around, but I'm completely fine with someone else driving. It's funny how things change over time. Another thing that's funny about driving are, are the times that you get to your destination and you have no idea how you've gotten there, right? We've experienced that before, okay? The moments where you've been on autopilot in your car. Right? I, I know where I'm at, but I don't know how I got here. I don't remember turning right. I don't remember turning left. I don't remember the cars I passed. I don't remember the cars that passed me. And some of you say, no cars ever passed me. <laughs> I'm the one going fast. Okay, okay, you keep going fast. But you don't remember anything when you get to your destination. Right? You've done this so many times that you could get there in your sleep and you've just been on autopilot. Right? It's a crazy feeling. It's this surreal feeling. And maybe, I don't, I don't want to show a hands, but maybe there are some of us that have had that feeling today as we've driven to church, right? You got here and you're like, I actually don't, I don't know how I got here. I don't remember where I turned, but here I am. So I'm glad you're here this morning, whether you have experienced that today or not. But here's why I share that, that illustration. My, my fear is that many of us find ourselves in these same moments within our marriages. The moments of autopilot, the moments of routine, the moments of how did I get here? And in fact, you might be feeling as though you and your spouse are in one of those moments as you sit here this morning. And so if you find yourself in one of these moments of how did we get here, there, there are two routes that you can take. First route is you can continue to sit here and not make any changes. 
but this would not honor the Lord and this is not going to benefit your marriage. You could do it, but it's not going to honor the Lord and it won't benefit your marriage going forward. The second route is you can take a look at this letter that Christ wrote to his bride, the church, in Revelation chapter 2. And so that's the path that we're going to take this morning. So here we go, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, right? Speaking to, to Christ, who holds the churches, holds their leaders in his hand. This is a letter from Christ. Verse 2 says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, before you get discouraged because you think we're about to work through a wildly challenging book like Revelation, or before you get excited because you think we're about to work through Revelation, somebody earlier today was like, oh, are we going to work through Revelation? And I said, no, we're going to finish going through covenant. And so it's okay, right? Before either one of those scenarios happen, I want to remind you we're going through covenant. But honestly, my, my hope is that reading that brief passage within the book of Revelation does spark some desire for you to study the book of Revelation on your own. Not because it's the, the revelation of end times, but because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? Too many people begin to pull the person of Christ away from the prophecy of end times. But really, there's, there's no fulfillment of this prophecy without the person of Christ. Revelation is a, a biblical book that's meant to allow you to know your Savior in a better way. That's the book of Revelation. And so prayerfully, hopefully, you do step toward that. But what we're covering today is, is this letter. Okay, now in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation, Christ writes letters to seven different churches. And this is significant because he is the only one who truly knows these churches. He's the only one who truly knows what's happening on the inside of these churches, right? And, and these letters are for us as well because churches are made up of individuals like you and I. And so we have to look at this personally also. Now, take that same understanding and, and apply it to our marriages. Christ is meant to be the head of my marriage, and Christ is meant to be the head of your marriage. And Christ is the only one who truly knows what's going on in your marriage. Christ is the only one who truly knows the, the depths of your marriage, the depths of your hearts. And so as he writes these letters to his bride, might it also provide an example and an examination of how we're doing with our brides, with our spouses this morning. And so this first letter is to the church in Ephesus. Okay, and the, this letter we read about, it is one of huge encouragement. But it, but it also comes with great challenge and, and some very strong 
words. Now, just, just to be clear, this church was magnificent. This church was great. This church had seen the likes of Paul, had seen the likes of Timothy, um, John, who the Lord is using to write the book of Revelation. This church had seen Priscilla and Aquila. This church had seen Apollos. If any of those names mean anything to you in, in our faith, right? This church was significant. Legend has it that the Apostle John, who, who the Lord is using to write this, uh, this book of Revelation, actually brought uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, to Ephesus when he was entrusted with caring for her at the crucifixion of Christ. Right? This church was a big deal, right? And I say any of this to, to let us know that this church seemingly had it all together, seemingly had it going on. Look, look what Christ said about it in, in verse 2. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. These are great encouraging words. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. Right? Jesus writes them a letter, and he says, I know your works. I know how you've toiled. I know how you have endured patiently. After all this time, after all these years, I know that you don't interact with, with those that are evil, but you've actually tested and called out false teaching and false prophets. And I know that you're enduring patiently for the name of Christ. You're not growing weary, right? There are so many great things that this church, the bride of Christ, is doing. Now, when we think about our, our marriages, prayerfully, we'd be able to hear similar attributes, right? You're, you're working hard, husbands. You're working hard, wives. You're persevering. You're not inviting evil in. In fact, you're actually calling out evil and you're seeking to protect your marriage from the evils of this world. You're not growing weary, but you're actually growing in patience. Right? These are things that I, that I hope and pray are said of every single one of the marriages represented in this room today. But unfortunately, this, this letter continues into verse 4. Christ says this. He says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. This church, as great as it was, had forgotten its first love, had forgotten the love that it had at first. All of these great things going on, these incredible things, these amazing things that they got to experience and yet they had forgotten, or better stated in our passage today, they had abandoned their first love, abandoned the love that they had for one another, abandoned the love that they had for others or outsiders, abandon the love that they had for Christ, which one is it? I, I would say, yeah, <laughs> it's all of them. They had forgotten. They had abandoned this love that they had at first. Now, to, to pause for a second and just to ask the, the question in our own lives in this series, marriage series called Covenant, have you done this in your own marriage? Have you forgotten the love that your spouse is? Have you forgotten the love that you had at first? Have you forgotten the height that your love has been? Some of you know that the answer is yes. Some of you wonder if the answer might be yes. 
And some of you, glory to God, the answer is no. But to better help us get to the true answer to this question, I want to do two things. One, I want us to honestly ask ourselves this question. Is there a time in my life where I loved my spouse more than I do right now? This is your first fill in the blank if you're, if you're taking notes. Is there a time in my life where I loved my spouse more than I do right now? Think about that question. Think about answering that question. I don't know the answer to that question for you, but honestly answer that question. And secondly, I want to I want to pick on, but really learn from the younger couples in this room. A few weeks ago, we, we saw couples that had been married for decades. There were a few couples that had almost been married for half a century, almost 50 years. And, and this was wildly encouraging. But some of our youngest couples were not looked to because they didn't have the longevity of relationship. But today, we actually do need your example. And so will you just play along? If you've been married for five years or less, will you do me a favor? Will you just stand? If there's anyone in here that's been married for five years or less. You can you could totally give give them a round of applause, yes. So here, here's the reason I call them out. In the first service, there were like apparently you get married in the the past five years and you come to the early service. There were like 20 couples. I thought there would be one or two or maybe three. Stand up, stand up. The whole back row stood up. Oh, okay, newlyweds all over. Here's, here's why I, I want to look to you guys and your example for us today. Here, here's the kicker. They've not forgotten the love that they had at first because they're still sitting in the love that they had at first. Does that make sense? The, the newlywed love. Right? And you can, you can see this because they do everything together. They watch movies together. Uh, they hold hands all the time. They talk all the time. They can't stop looking at one another. Right? You see any of these newlywed couples walking around and they're just like googly, googly, googly. They can't stop looking at each other. Look where you're going. I can't. I'm going with him. Wherever he goes, that's where I'm going. Right? And actually, that's something that, that I want to challenge us to do. If you've been married for a little bit of time, I want to challenge you to take some time today and look at your spouse. Don't be weird about it. <laughs> Not right now. Some of you went, yeah. <laughs> Not right now. Do it later. Okay, don't be weird about it. But honestly and earnestly step toward this. Look them in their eyes. See the life that has taken place. The memories that have been made. The stories that you share the pain that you've walked through. Remember the firsts, right? The, the first career that you stepped toward, the first house, the first child, the first grandchild, the first date. I'm sure there's a story there. Remember them on your wedding day. Remember the things that you never thought you would make it through. And yet by the grace of God, look what he's done in and through your marriage today look into their eyes and remember them. If you're anything like me, you, you've been driving that car not realizing where you've been going. You've been on autopilot in your marriage. 
And although you're doing all the things, you've forgotten the love that you had at first. This week, I, I did this a few times. I found myself looking at Brittany and remembering. I found myself remembering little moments or things I used to do. And, and some of them I, I thought were the funniest things ever, right? There was a point that I, I remember our first Valentine's Day together. What I did was I bought a bunch of those little Valentines that you give your kids to give to their classmates or whatever. I bought a bunch of them and I filled out every single one of them. To, to Brittany from Travis, to you from me, to my love from your love. I don't even know what all I said, okay? I used middle names. I, I don't, to the volleyball player from the soccer player. I don't even know what I did. And I thought it was the funniest thing ever. I put them all over her apartment. I put them in the bathroom. I put them in the kitchen. I put them in her car. I actually don't know if she enjoyed that, to be honest, okay? I, I didn't ask her that. I just was reminded and I thought about that uh, this week. It was funny. But one of the things as I was uh, looking and remembering, I found myself looking at her hands. And I remember when we first started dating, these were new hands. These were hands that I had never seen. These were hands that I had never held. And, and I was constantly looking at them. And I haven't done that in years, Right? And, and I'm, I'm going to work through this. This is the moment that I've gotten emotional every time. Okay? Her hands, her whole family has the same hands. Her dad has them. Her brothers have them. She has them. There are these wrinkly little hands. Okay? <laughs> to be honest. Okay? But as I looked at them this week, they're the same hands. They still have a lot of wrinkles. But now they have all these little sunspots all over them because they've aged. Right? They've aged as she's held our family, as she's supported me, as she's raised our boys, as she's served our community, right? These are the same hands, but they've, they've aged, and I found myself looking at them, and I found myself wanting to hold them like we used to. And it made me think about something I share with couples when I officiate their weddings. I tell them to, to hold hands, which half of them are already doing, so it doesn't make sense. But I say these things to them. I say, these are the hands of your best friend, full of love for you, that are holding yours on your wedding day, as you promise to love each other today, tomorrow, and forever. These are the hands that will work alongside yours, as together you build your future. These are the hands that will passionately love you and cherish you through the years, and with the slightest touch, comfort you like no other. These are the hands that will hold you when fear or grief fills your mind. These are the hands that will countless times wipe the tears from your eyes, the tears of sorrow and the tears of joy. Where are my wife's hands right now? These are the hands that will help you hold your family as one. These are the hands that will give you strength when you need it. And lastly, these are the hands that even when wrinkled and aged, as Brittany's are getting, will still be reaching for yours, still giving you the same unspoken tenderness with just a touch. And it's at this point in, in the ceremony that all the little old ladies in the room begin to cry, right? And it was maybe at this point where some of you began to hold hands. Be honest, did you do that while I was reading about these hands? You reached for the hand next to you? Hopefully it was your spouse's. Anyway, I'm telling you this week to do this. Look at your spouse. See what the Lord begins to show you. Do it this week, right? Doing things like this might just show you that you've allowed the busyness of life to get in the way. And you unfortunately have forgotten the love you had at first. 
Maybe you find yourself in the same place that this church in Ephesus finds itself in our passage today. And, and to be honest, this passage is much harsher than this. Our translation today says that they have abandoned. Other translations say that they have forsaken. Really, it's this idea that they've forgotten, they have deserted the love that they had at first. It's not just misplaced, it's been deserted. This is serious. And so if this is the case, what are we meant to do? If we find ourselves in this moment that, that we have, there's a time in our life that we loved our spouse more than we do right now, what are we meant to do? And so Jesus gives us a prescription, a pattern that we can work through. He says this in verse 4. He says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Right? So what am I to do if I've forgotten the love I had at first? First thing we're meant to do is we're meant to remember. Remember the heights from which we have fallen. Right? And this, this remember is probably better understood as a keep on remembering. Don't stop remembering. Remember what you have lost. That's why it's import, important that you look into one another's eyes. It's important that you do look at one another's hands that you do look through the scrapbooks or you look through the Facebook memories. Remember these things in hopes that they will cultivate a closeness and a oneness that you had or you felt in times past. This is a process, and this is one that's going to take a lot of humility, and it's going to take both parties. I need Brittany to help me remember, and she needs me. Right? If she wants to step toward this and, and, and I say no, then I'm only going to be hindering our relationship and I'm going to be hardening my heart. And before I know it, I'm going to be losing the love that I had at first. Right? This is a practice that you should step toward together. And I promise you that it will be worth it. See, remembering is oftentimes the first step on the way back to where you were at in the beginning. How, how many of you are familiar with the biblical story of the prodigal son? Right, just, just in case you're not familiar or maybe you've forgotten, there is a, a son who goes to his father and, and says to his father, I want my inheritance. Right, essentially saying, I know you're alive, but you're dead to me, so give me what I will get when you die. Give me my inheritance now. And, and so his father gives him his, his inheritance, and, and the, the son goes off to a far distant land, and he squanders all of this inheritance on wild living. Right, once the, the money ran out, the friends ran out, and he, he found himself working, and he found himself longing to eat the food that the pigs ate. And the Bible says this. It says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? Right? He remembered. And this was the first step that would ultimately lead him back to his father and his father's house. We, we have to remember if things are going to get better in our relationships, then we have to realize that something has gone wrong. Realize the heights from which you have fallen. And this, this first step is a huge step. It is a crucial step. Unfortunately, it's not going to be worth it right away because there are more steps that need to be taken, potentially harder steps that need to take place. Listen to the next step that Christ shares. He says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. Remember and then repent. Right? We're, we're supposed to remember and then we're supposed to step into repentance. 
Now, to be clear, repentance is more than saying sorry, which is also something that we need to do more than we think. Trust me. But repenting is a much greater idea. It's this idea of expressing sincere regret, sharing remorse about something that has happened, something that I have done. Really, it's, it's an understanding that I have sinned and I'm changing my mind, that I was headed in this direction with regards to this matter. I'm doing a 180 and I'm headed in this direction. Right? Christ says that we're meant to repent over the fact that we have abandoned the love that we had at first. Now, we as Christians should understand this fairly easy because this is what we have done with our sin and our wickedness. We have repented over our sin. We've repented over our unrighteousness. Right? And one aspect to this repentance is that of confession. In the, in the process of our faith, in the process of repenting, we've confessed our sins to the Lord. Right? There was a moment where we confessed our sin for the very first time and hopefully we've continued to confess our sin each and every day. And the Bible is very clear on this matter that when we confess our sin, God will forgive us. 1 John 1, 9 says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? This is a wonderful truth that we can cling to this morning. Now, unfortunately, our spouses are not God. But this does not change the fact that we are meant to step into repentance. We're meant to step toward moments of confession, confessing these sins to them, confessing the fact that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. And for that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've abandoned the love that we had. Now, as our spouses do this, we are meant to forgive. The Bible also states this in Colossians 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. See, this moment of repentance it's going to be challenging, but it's going to be so worth it. It's going to be so rewarding. Please, please, please step toward this in your relationship. Repenting, to be clear, is not blaming. It's not blaming the other person. Repenting is not blaming life. Repenting is looking in the mirror and owning it, knowing that the, the fault is mine. The fault is, is ours. And once this takes place, there should be a sorrow that, that follows. Right, let's look back to our reading of the prodigal son in, in Luke 15. It says this, When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. And then verse 18, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. There was a genuine understanding that the responsibility was his. He was the one to blame for the sin that he found himself in, right? That's the depth of repentance. The love that I had for my spouse is not what it once was, and that's my fault. That's my responsibility. 
I need to repent. And I need to allow the Lord to lead me into the next step. Right? So we remember the heights from which we have fallen. We repent over the fact that we've abandoned the love we had at first. And there's one more aspect to this prescription. And I think it's very important because we live in a world where people know what to do, but they neglect to do it. This is how this passage continues. It says, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. So remember, repent, return. Return. Do the works you did at first. Go back to what you did in those beginning moments. The moments before you got stuck in the routine of life. Before the the times we began to neglect what was so important to us. Get back to those things. Right? One, One last time to look at the prodigal son. It says this in verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. After he remembered, he repented, and he returned to his father. Remembering and repenting is meant to drive us to do something. There should be an action that follows. If there's no doing, if there's no action, if there's no returning, then there's no true repentance that has taken place. Right? I was headed in this direction, and now I'm turning and going in a different direction. It, it is, it's different. It's doing. It's going in a different direction, another way. And this is wonderful news. This is wonderful news this morning because if you find yourself working through this prescription, saying, yes, I I have forgotten the love that I had at first. I've forgotten my first love. Well, today can be the beginning of change. Today can be the fresh start. Today can be where it all changed in your marriage, regardless of if you've been married for five years or less or you've been married for 45 years or more. What, what was it that you used to do? Did you used to go on weekly date nights? Did you write letters to one another? Did you do the dishes? You should, you should do the dishes. If I've learned anything in marriage, you should do the dishes, okay? Maybe that's why her hands are so wrinkly. I didn't say that in first service. She's sitting in there. I like to do the dishes now, okay? Do the dishes. Did you go on walks together? Did you listen to her stories? Did you go to his games? Did you actually look at each other when you had conversations? Did you fight for her? Did you fight for him? You've forgotten that you used to fight for one another because you've been so consumed fighting with one another in the past few months, in the past few years, in the past few decades. But I don't know what it is that the Lord's laid on your heart and your mind when it comes to your spouse, but I want to encourage you to return to these things. That, that's it. If you find yourself in a, a moment or you find yourself in a season or you find yourself in a, a lifetime of having forgotten the love that you had at first, remember, repent, and return. And this might be something that you need to step into today or it might be something that you need to tuck away for a season down the road. But regardless of when you use it, my hope is that it helps you in your covenant marriage. 
right? Make it a common practice to go through this. Asking yourself the question, is there a time in my life where I love my spouse more than I do right now? And if the answer is no, then praise the Lord and continue. But if the answer is yes, then praise the Lord and begin working through this prescription. Now, to be clear, we, we've walked through this passage and we, we've learned a way to step back toward our spouse, to really step toward the oneness, to step toward the intimacy, remembering the love that we had at first. But remember the immediate context of this letter, this passage, it's a letter that Christ wrote to one of the churches and it's applicable for us as believers today. So regardless of where you find yourself with regards to marriage, you're, you're in the thick of it, you're just beginning, you're wanting to step toward it, you're not stepping toward it, you're, you're living a life of singleness or any other place in between, this passage is meant to be applied to every single believer with the hope that we have not forgotten the love we had at first. We have not forgotten our first love, and that is Jesus Christ. Remember the, the moments that we first experienced his grace and his forgiveness. Remember what it, what it felt when you, you finally first realized that he loves you unconditionally, that there's nothing you can do for him to love you more, and there's nothing you could do for him to love you less. Ask yourself the question, is there a time in my life that I loved Christ more than I do right now? And if the answer is yes, then repent. Repent over this disconnect. Repent over the separation, right? Confess your sins to him and believe that he is faithful and just to forgive you of those times that you've placed other things ahead of him. Believe that, that he is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Anything that does not put you in right standing before God. Repent and head in a different direction. And that direction is to return. Return to what you did before as you pursued Jesus in a way that honored him. Where you didn't get bogged down with your preferences. You didn't get bogged down with religion. You didn't get bogged down with what other people thought but you were, you were focused on your personal relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. R return to the way in which you, you worshiped at the height of your relationship with Jesus, the way in which you, you prayed, you had a personal conversation with the Lord. Return to the way that you read scripture, you read the love letter that he wrote to you. Return to these moments. Return to his heart, return to his cross, return to his will for your life, seeking to honor him, right? That's, that's really, it. this is the prescription, this is the pattern, this is the discipline that we should practice over and over and over again. The more we practice this, the less we're going to drift in our relationship with Jesus, the less we're going to drift in the love that we have for our Savior. That relationship will get stronger, it will be deeper, it will be more pure than ever before. We'll do this all the way until that moment that we see him face to face. So my prayer is that we would do that beginning today. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for an opportunity to, to read your words to the church in, in Ephesus in, in Revelation chapter 2. Your encouragement for everything that they were doing everything that they had been a part of, 
but also the, the challenging and the convicting words as they had forgotten their first love. God, I ask that if we find ourselves in these same moments, that you would encourage us to, to remember. Remember the love that we had for you at first. The love that we had for you at the height of our relationship. God, I ask that, that you would lead us to repent. Re- repent over the fact that our, our love and our focus and our adoration is not what it was before. God, I ask that you would encourage us to take responsibility for that. That you would encourage us to begin stepping toward returning to you, returning to your heart, returning to your cross, returning to where we should find ourselves each and every day. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.